you've probably heard a lot about Bitcoin lately. Whether it's on the news, online, or because your weird mate Steve keeps banging on about how much his is worth. There's a lot of noise and information, and it can be hard to know where to begin. Coin Corner cuts through all the confusion. With an easy-to-use site and a friendly customer support team on hand to help, Coin Corner is a quick and easy way to buy Bitcoin in the UK. Visit coincorner.com and enter code FILMBTC at sign up for some free sats or small amounts of Bitcoin to get you started. Coincorner.com Hello and welcome to episode 220 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try and to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. On this episode, I am delighted that we have on co-directors Powell Robinson and Patrick Robert Young. Uh, They have made the movies Bastard and the latest film out now on Arrow called Threshold. Uh, Patrick uh, Robert Young wrote that and Paul Robinson is the cinematographer. Though, to be honest, they kind of share those duties uh, along with the cast because this movie, Threshold, was shot on an iPhone. That is correct. We're following the vein of Matthew and Tori Butler Hart, who made their feature film, Infinitum Subject Unknown, on an iPhone. And so have these boys, Patrick and Powell. They have dived in and made the fantastic, darkly funny road trip movie. It's also very creepy. Threshold. Uh, Lauren Bates also produced it with them. It's highly improvised, shot on two iPhones, just a crew of three and the two actors. Oh, it's a joy to dive in deep with them on this week's episode. They talk about their first movie, Bastard, how they made that together pretty much two months after they'd finished film school. They talk about why you shouldn't do too many music videos and why making a film like Bastard and like Threshold will bond you for life. They also talk about how they sold their first movie, Bastard, at 21 years of age and why they shot on iPhones with their movie, their latest film, which is out now called Threshold. It is an absolute delight to chat to the boys. We had a laugh, but we also went in deep and there's some amazing insights and advice for you. Oh... I am Giles Alderson. I am a writer, director and a producer. And at the moment, I am literally doing the final touches, the final bits of ADR on my latest feature, 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 on my latest feature, The Stranger in Our Bed. Uh, that's really cool. This, this score got delivered to me, well, the first hour yesterday, so I had to listen to that. It's very exciting. And also, I am very close to announcing our latest film or films. Uh, I've been very busy in this lockdown, getting shit ready and getting stuff done. And I hope they can announce that for you next week. Um, it's super exciting. Yeah, could be making more movies. Could be more shit for me to tell you. More dramas and thrills and spills and all that crap. 
so I can keep doing this podcast and keep making movies for you. Not for you, I'm doing it for me. Uh, but it's nice to talk about it. Anyway, uh, let's not mess around. Let's get to it. Here is the fantastic Powell Robinson and the brilliant Patrick Robert Young joining me on this epic filmmakers podcast chat enjoy sit back relax and enjoy this epic chat about filmmaking on an iphone or two (laughs) enjoy Uh, lads thank you so much for joining us patrick young powell robinson how are you both doing you all right waking up drinking some tea eating some donuts feeling all right excited for our movie to come out Yes, can't wait. Third of third uh, of May on Arrow Player all around the world. Hang on, you just said you were having tea. Now this Both is very us, yes. English yeah. thing. All these Zoom meetings, I think I have a, a cup of tea with every single one of them every day. So I've burned mm-hmm. through boxes of tea over the last year. Yeah, yeah, it gets to you, doesn't it? Just it? feels more comfortable having something right here. It's like a little safety blanket. Yeah, yeah, I like to have it on set as well. Coffee. I've only just got into coffee recently. But I quite like that too now. It's a mix. But yeah, it's good. Donuts as well. You thought you'd have a donut at 9am in the morning. Yeah, health reasons. Here we go. Here we go. It's actually got a donut. <laughs> you were joking. You've got a donut. <laughs> this is proper set life right now. Um, <laughs> how would, I mean, imagine eating food on set was uh, whenever you could. I take it with threshold. It was like, just grab and yeah. go. Yeah. It was a lot of road trip food too, I think. Like yeah. we had a lot of car snacks and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we didn't exactly i mean we had you know a bucket of of snacks but it was mostly just more normal meals than you would have on on set it's like oh well it's time to stop for lunch and so we stopped for lunch right and that was wh- whichever was the nearest if you're passing a, a little chef which there isn't in the usa but if you're passing somewhere like that where you're just kind of like oh well that'll do let's jump in there was it that what kind is, of what is a little chef? Yeah. Okay. That, can, just can you guess? Tiny little people who cook food That's, on the side of the highway. Yeah. That's exactly. It's it. just. <laughs> it's basically like a, I, don't, I can't think of anything relevant in America, but it's uh, it's basically a. You can get chips and peas, maybe a terrible bit of chicken that you probably shouldn't have. But it's one of those type places. You can maybe get a fry up. Yeah, that sounds kind of similar to where we were stopping. I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of cheap diners anywhere we could find. So. Cheap diner. I should have said that. It's a cheap diner. <laughs> That's a better way of describing it. Um, look, Threshold is it really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really clever, brilliant piece of filmmaking. The fact you did Thank it, you. a couple of iPhones. The fact it was just three crew. I imagine you, uh, Patrick, you, Powell, and Lauren as well. Was that right? Was it uh, mm-hmm. the three of you, Lauren Bates, your producer? Yeah. Yep. So it's the three of you, plus your two actors and or whatever other actors did come in and out. Um, that must have been a fascinating challenge. Did you just kind of go, let's just do this? Was it one of those mornings where you're like, Let's just, was it 9am, you had your cup of tea, you had your donut, and you thought, let's go make a movie on our iPhone. Tell us how it came about. Why why do this really difficult thing of shooting on iPhones with no crew? Yeah, that, that's exactly how it happened. You know, we, <laughs> we've, uh, you know, our first movie, Bastard, came out in 2015. Yep. And, you know, right at right after that, we we pushed on a couple of larger projects real fast. Uh, and they got really close to happening, yep. and then obviously, they did not. Uh huh. And uh, you know, uh, I got paid to write a couple Lifetime movies. Oh, okay. And was able to to save a little bit of money up, and you know, one day the frustration just built up enough, and I, I sent Powell a message like, "Hey, how much money you got? You want to make a movie?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, which is. 
I love that, which is great because in and also in between that time you were involved in green light as well or green lit, mm-hmm. depending on where you're green. from and where it's. Yeah. Yeah. So green- yeah, Patrick wrote that one, and mm-hmm. I shot that one. Yes. Uh, our, our friend Graham Denman directed it. Yeah. That's correct. And uh, it, the Horror Collective, or I suppose uh, Entertainment Squad, which is the new Horror Collective, was their first sort of one out of the bat and they distributed my movie the dare as well so i'd heard all about uh green light or green lit or green lighted uh and i thought it was great i really enjoyed it i thought it was a brilliant piece thank you. Uh, brilliant piece very well written the dare is a fun piece of filmmaking too oh thank you man oh that's cool of course. yeah yeah uh yeah so it's really interesting our connection there as well with the horror collective and shaked and all that world it's really nice mm-hmm. um but it is it's that it's that difficult thing isn't it when you've made a film and you're pushing stuff out to try and make another one. And people are just sort of, yes, they all say yes, it's the moving forward. And then it just doesn't. There's something stops it or stalls it or there's a problem with cast mm-hmm. or whatever it is or crew or it can be very frustrating. How did you, like I say, you dealt with it by going, fuck it, let's go make another film. But during that time, it'd be really interesting for our listeners to know how how difficult that is. And what did you do to sort of get through those difficult times apart from writing a, a movie for lifetime that didn't pay you a lifetime's wages? Um, I always tell anyone who asks me like, you know, go, uh, going to school for film, you know, did you go as a director? Did you go for some other trade or whatever? Mm. And you know, when you get to film school, everyone's going to be a director. And so I thought it would better suit me upon graduating to, you know, take up something else as well. So I, I focused on cinematography while I was there because I knew that, out of 300 kids, not all 300 of them were going to end up directing. It's just it's 100% fact. unrealistic. Yes. It's just never going to happen. Yeah. 3% and so, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so naturally, I told everyone, I'm just going to shoot. I'm just going to shoot. I'm just going to shoot. And then I left college. And two months later, Patrick and I directed Bastard. And you know, I looked like a total asset. Um, but, <laughs> asset. Uh, Did you say asset then? Yeah. I said asshat. Asshat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, in between Bastard and Threshold, yeah, I went back to shooting a ton because that was just, I didn't want to have to take on a job that wasn't related to film. And I knew cinematography was something I was moderately at least good at mm-hmm. and I could and I could do as, for ba- lack of a better term, a day job. And so I shoot a ton of music videos yeah. and commercials. Um, and, you know, that, that kept me learning and trying new things without having to, you know, I it's really easy to get pigeonholed. And I've, I've seen it happen to friends. I... Patrick and I have directed two music videos in seven years on purpose because the second you do more than that, you become a music video director. Yes, correct. And so we've stayed out of it. And I, I, I lucked out that while Patrick was working on his own writing projects, I got to direct uh, tour visuals for Seven Lines, the, the EDM artist, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I, did a couple, I directed a few commercials because I knew that was safer than... Yeah, st- I could have easily gone into directing music videos because of all the connections I'd made from shooting them, and I chose to chose to not. And so that did ease the time between projects to keep working, you know, keep working on film in some way or another. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Patrick, yourself? I-, I didn't spend as much time on set in the the, the past few years. I needed mm. sort of the the energy and time to be able to work on my my own writing, uh, which meant for me uh, holding down a lot more uh, quote-unquote normal jobs. Uh, our, our film Bastard premiered at a, a, a movie theater uh, at Universal Studios, right? Nice. And within six months, I was working there. <laughs> I was you know, working at a movie theater uh, yeah, as just a day job to I be see. around movies, but also have time to work on my writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, we, we made Bastard and we've made Threshold with zero expectations that they'll make money. 
you know, we're not doing it for that. They're down payments on uh, our talent and our career. And, uh, you know, we know every, everything we make now will make us better directors for when we have the opportunity to use money. And, like, we won't waste that opportunity because of what we've done with mm-hmm. these. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, it is always about learning, isn't it? And the more you mm-hmm. can be on set, the better you'll be. But I love what you said about not pigeonholing yourselves as a music video director because you can easily go down that route. I say easily, you've still got to work hard to get there. There's no question about it. But but once you're there, you're you're there. You know, you're there. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same with commercials. You know, you do a load, load, a load of commercials. It can be very difficult to then go, hey, no, no, I'm still making films because your time is taken up with making commercials and pitching for them and doing that. Whereas you go, no, no, I just want to do film, but. As a film and those director. are very different muscles. Very different muscle, and yeah. you don't you're not on set enough as a as a film director or cinematographer. Much more as a cinematographer and an actor, but as a director, you're very rarely on set. You know, you can go to other people's or you can produce stuff, but yeah, to actually get your hands on a camera and actors is is more difficult. So it's great that you you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about Bastard then, because you mentioned two months out of film school. That's really cool. Before we come to Threshold, let's talk about Bastard. And So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah Bastard, through it. Bastard started off in a very funny way. So, Patrick and I were roommates. Not roommates, sorry. I should say dorm mates. Freshman year of college. He lived okay. right next to me. He was my direct neighbor. Our walls shared. You know, we obviously worked on stuff early on, just fun, whatever things while we were waiting for the production classes to actually start. But um, one of the things that I, I brought up to him was I had this short story that I had thought of since high school and this is a theme that we'll get around to when Threshold comes around, where I had handed him this, this short story, and I was like, hey, I don't know how to write this, but could you write it? Because I don't know how yet. And it was about a pair of traveling serial killers who had a, a game of trading off killing people as they went. And right. that became the basis for Hannah and West, the leads and bastard. And then Makes Patrick, sense. Patrick had a, a short story as well that I'll let him talk about, about a brother and sister with an unusual relationship. Well, yeah, I, well, it wasn't a short story. I... So the next year, uh, our sophomore year, I was in a screenwriting class where we were developing different uh, feature films that we had to write. And one of, my, one of the options I developed was this, uh, you know, questionable brother-sister relationship uh, uh, that may or may not have involved some incest. But I didn't end up writing it, but I really loved the characters. Okay. Um, and then it hit senior year. And, you know, my love for horror had continued to grow and grow and grow. And I was looking at fun ways to sort of uh, play with the genre. And so I was like, okay, what if I took all these characters I love from all these different projects that never happened or I didn't get to? And, you know, what if they all accidentally walked into a horror movie? Like, what if they, they all had their own movie and they all accidentally walked into this one place together? Love um, and so I wrote that. And, uh, you know, I chose cannibalism for that one after seeing the movie Ravenous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I wrote that super quick. It, it was a super short script, like 72 pages. Uh, and I slammed it down in front of Powell and was like, well, what do you think of this? You know, four years <laughs> after you gave me this idea. So, yeah, we, yeah, we took that and we shot a little teaser because we knew we needed to raise some money. So we shot the opening scene of, of Bastard the, the, on the highway with the hammer kill. And, yeah. uh, that still exists in some form somewhere, and I, I would love to find it eventually to you know show people because it's really funny to do the side by side of the real movie yes. and that. But um, Always. so we did that, and we went on a hell of a run. 
finding money and not finding money. And then mm-hmm. we were still in school. And so we were figuring it all out as we went. And sure. <laughs> we managed to secure somewhat some amount of funding. And then two weeks before the shoot was supposed to happen, it all dropped out because they were oh like, Hey, you know what we're going to do? We actually want to make our own movie. So we're going to take that <sighs> money you guys are supposed to have. And we're going to go make our own. No. So we are 21. We have a full crew signed on. We've got oh, everything booked. Everything's ready to go. And we're 140 yeah. grand short. We were like, huh? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> if I take a loan out on my car oh, and no. if we all scrap together, whatever money our family and friends can help us with, maybe yep. um, we can still make this for half the original amount because, you know, we're out of fresh out of school. Not yep. everyone is are you know, working at super high commercial rates yet. And we all yeah. need a first feature and everyone's still excited about it. So we just, um, we cut the budget in half and, and just did it somehow. <laughs> I can't believe that's amazing. And, and also when you, like you say, it's, it's brave and dangerous, but also the fact that you were two weeks away from shooting, you prepped everything, you've got your crew, not everything, but you're, you're in the middle of that prep session. You're really close. It's kind of a bit like, well, look, we're in it now. We're either going to do this yeah. or mm, this might never happen again. How do you feel about it now? Are you glad you, you did that? It could oh, yeah, I love Bastard. Again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you both yeah. Yeah. 100%. A one of a time experience. I mean, it was us and, yeah, you know, 20 of our friends sleeping in my family's cabin and a rented out location. Some mm-hmm. of us on couches. Uh, you know. Patrick and I shared a bed for the entire shoot. We like, did. it was. <laughs> Got close. Yeah. Donuts all around. And I, that's so nice, though, because also in terms of getting it done and you know, just getting on with it, it's something you'll never, ever forget. And you as a group of people, and I'm sure there was uh, differences throughout that. But the fact is, you could see one of those people on the street in 20 years time, and you'd still have that amazing connection that you did this together and you achieved it. And it came mm-hmm. out, you know? Oh, yeah. We still have friends. One of our favorite oh, people in the world we met because, uh, you know, he was a, a friend of our actors uh, and he wanted to move out to LA but couldn't afford it but we gave him you know a, a PA or design gig on this job yeah and so he was able to you know use that money to move out here and fell in love with him you know it's bonds people well yeah we have we have people who are now like our, uh, our friend David Bullen who's an amazing cinematographer and he just had a short that was nominated for an Oscar that he shot wow. and he he was he gaffed that as a favor to me because I shot his thesis and he still comes yeah. back to me and says that's my favorite shoot like I still remember that <laughs> yeah. more than anything I've done yeah it's that one he's shot like TV for Netflix he's he's been working constantly but the people like that will come back and be like hey bastard was still the best experience I've ever had on a set and it was insane it shouldn't be it was like eighteen to twenty hours a day like we were dying <laughs> we were Jesus. we were shooting we had half a day rained out we lost half oh. a day to like an injury and you know mm-hmm. somehow still made it yeah you you do though don't you it's that thing where you just go well we've got to make it we've got to keep going yeah. and especially when you have a choice <laughs> you don't have a choice <laughs> you don't have a choice it's your first one it's your money so everything becomes it's oh my god we've got to do this and that bonds and creates and you you probably never be as creative as everyone says this and it's only after you've made more than one film you go yeah i'm never as creative as on my first film and i was also <laughs> never as fucked and never as brain mashed and pressured all that kind of stuff is is full on yeah, because you're because we weren't refined as directors. I haven't, you know, I haven't studied as much. I haven't worked with actors as much. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't developed, you know, what I think works for me. Or you know, Pal and I. I mean, our 
directing methods changed massively even after threshold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were acting completely off of instinct and what felt right. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It, and and you know what? And people say this often on this podcast: is your instinct is the most important thing when you in your gut and your heart tells you to do a shot a certain way or ask the actor to do it a certain way or whatever it is that you find within there it's your instinct and we've watched movies since we were you know babies all the way we know the beginning and the end we know beats of how it's supposed to be so we kind of have that instinct and some people are more creative than others and we go cool that's why we want to direct or produce or make things or shoot something is because we have that in us and that ability in some way to just get the shots done and get it made and go well okay i need this side and i need to cover it that side and hey if we get a wide well it's the scene and let's try and do something magic in between if we can and you know that's just the simplistic nature of it and that's fascinating that word instinct you'll find comes back uh, a lot for threshold as well because that was how the mm. actors constantly described it to us on set because of the the shooting conditions they would always say like because we were shooting so fast so furious it was sunset we were like on the road so much they were like we didn't really get to think about our characters as normal as normally as we would and it was just all purely acting on instinct i think they said mm. that every other day while we were shooting it <laughs> must be interesting doing it together then let's talk about that with bastard and the first time you sort of you know did work together on that properly you know patrick you were like come on let's just go shoot this let's go do it uh with threshold especially but certainly on this with bastard how did you how did you work together on that and and how's that changed into threshold I mean, over the, the four years that we knew each other uh, beforehand, and now it's been even longer, um, mm-hmm. we, we we realize we have just, we're, we're so in sync with each other's taste mm-hmm. um, that we, we sort of knew we could trust each other that, like, the other wouldn't fuck up if they, you know, had to give an opinion to, like, you know, PD or uh, had to talk to an actor or anything. Yeah. Uh, we 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 you know seen enough movies and worked together enough that we knew we could trust the other ones with character or or visual storytelling. Either way, you know, a lot of people talk uh, ask us since Pal's a DP and you're a writer, oh, so you handle character and you handle mm-hmm. the camera, right? Like no, like when we're on set, you know, we're both equally as invested in either side. Yeah, we found a few different ways to to make it work too, where we knew this. I'm proud to say this actually did start with Bastard too. We knew that two voices would confuse a lot of, uh, you know, giving two voices to the, to the actors in terms of direction and two voices to every department head would confuse them in terms of notes as well. And so we always divvy up who's going to talk to who on Mm. a, on a, on a need, need to do basis. But like, you know, uh, often Patrick and I will split up and I'll talk to one actor while he talks to the other. And we'll make sure that we're the ones talking to that specific actor actor for that scene so that they aren't getting two opinions and it feels like they have clear direction all the time. Because, you know, if you're an actor and you're doing a heavy scene, like uh, I remember specifically uh, Rebecca tied to the bed uh, mm-hmm. in Bastard at the end or uh, in the in the tub, uh, I was always talking to Rebecca and Patrick always talking to Tanya um, because we just knew they had so much on their minds. I mean, that monologue, we did it as a one or that, that thing where it's wow. like, she comes in with the hammer and sits down. We, yeah, we yeah. never planned on getting cross coverage. So like, if we don't get this right in one, it can't happen. And so poor actors, they had a lot going on. It wasn't about like us worrying that like we'd be giving them different notes. It's just, we yeah. didn't want to confuse them with, you know, styles. Like if Pal is mm-hmm. going in there and, you know, talking about something, uh, you know, 
personal or quiet and I come in with like a, a, a metaphor it just, I, I, you, we didn't want to switch up their brains unnecessarily mm-hmm. the fact the two of you had that decision and the talk beforehand this is what we're going to do or it, it maybe it just manifested that way but it sounds like it worked for you and that's that's what's important it depends on who you ask <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we it also means that we're able to split up in a, in a in a in a healthy good way where like normally if you needed to go sh- finish one seat and go set up for another one you might need a second unit director or like a a, a very trusty first ad but on mm-hmm. a, a small small shoot like us um you know it le- it lent us the ability to actually fully make two units and go prep some far away spots like we were shooting on all ends of Big Bear and Arrowhead. And, you know, so sometimes we were driving and doing a driving scene, but one of us needed to be building with the PD team at the next spot. And we just trusted each other enough that if we had to split up, the scene would come out the same way as if only, you know, one of us was there. I like It's also helpful for, I mean, us still being young directors. Um, mm. You know, we, we, we're still in the phase where we understand, oh, we can still make better movies together than we would alone. You know, that added experience and, and vision is better alone, and it also means. I mean, you can imagine what kind of sleep we were getting on both of these movies. Oh, God. It meant yeah. that if one of us got tired or uh, needed to just step away for fifteen minutes, you know, the set the set wasn't rudderless. Yes, which which can happen. Your brain can switch off. You know, you're you are mm-hmm. ridiculously tired. There's you need to have so much in your head and brain, and constantly people are asking you questions. You've got to know where the next setup is and where the next shot's going to be, and what the next costume needs. All that kind of stuff you need to know. It's like this encyclopedia of this film, and you have to know every single thing. And you will get a brain freeze where you have no idea. And the fact that you two can have that communication where you go, "Sorry, what's what's that bit?" and the other person can go, "That's that," and you go, "Oh yes, of course, thank you." Yeah, we will. We also, uh, of course. I mean, if we want to talk, you, you mentioned at the top of the show, getting into yes. the, the gritty knots nice. st- stuff you don't want to hear about normally. I mean, I, <laughs> on Bastard, we we had our editor up there with us in, in okay. Big Bear. So he was living in like the upstairs foyer of this cabin thing outside our bedroom. And he pretty much had a mattress out there. And, and so he was editing the movie as we went. And there was one day near the end of the shoot that Patrick and I decided it would be great to have a promo clip done. Uh, so we could release it while we were shooting, which meant that we wow. shot all day and then we stayed yeah. up all night to edit. Oh my, oh and wow. then we shot the next day. Mm. And so we'd been up for about 30 something hours, 32 <laughs> hours at that point. And I passed mm. out on set in the middle of a shot. I was standing oh. at the monitor and just fell to the floor. <laughs> um, I, I com- yeah, I completely blacked out. Uh, takes great. But um, luckily we got most of it before I, I blacked out. Uh, but yeah, got back up, got a Red Bull. We were sponsored by Red Bull. Patrick emailed them early on in the shoot and got yeah. us a Red Bull sponsorship. Congratulations. Yeah, took a Red Bull, finished out the next two hours of the shoot and then crashed really hard. But same thing in the, in the, um, when we were shooting the, uh, the meat shack cabin, Patrick, when you had to step away for a, <laughs> a minute, yeah. like we were, we were beat. Actually one of the draws, uh, you know, we, we told our actors on threshold, uh, you know, we didn't have, uh, a, a lot of space, uh, or time on that shoot, but we, we were shooting chronologically and, you know, didn't have a, a strict plan. So we told them like, Hey, if you need, like if, if you're not feeling up to this and we need to take six hours off, you know, d- the day shoot can become a night shoot. And like, we are the masters of our own domain. And, you know, it, it's not, uh, any, anything bigger than these types of movies. You don't have that kind of control, which is nice. But but also I want money. 
yeah. Well, that's it. You also want to be paid for your work, but you, and that's the, the freedom of what you guys have done yeah. uh, with Bastard and Threshold is is incredible. And like, hopefully, you know, all the stuff you do moving forward, you will have the massive cruise, and you will have that. No, no, we finish in ten hours, mate. You can't go over because that's going to cost so much, so much, so much. Because everyone needs their overtime payments, and. Right. Like when you've got that freedom with your first film, if you like, and when it's just you lot running around making it, you can go, you can push the limits, and you've got to be really careful because your crew can go. Do you know what? Fuck off! Uh, I, I've, I've, like, say, like you guys, I've worked thirty hours. I'm knackered, and and tensions can get high, you know, and it can be an emotional place. It's why a lot of people do break down and cry, and because you're so tired and you're so emotional and you so want to do a good job, and you're so worried for your career at that point that it can get really fraught. <laughs> I just had a funny memory from Bastard, yeah. actually. If, uh, there was a there was a, a night shoot. We had to reshoot a fight scene in the middle of the night. I think Patrick knows where this is going. But um, basically, <laughs> so our lead actor, um, he's just he's losing it. He's having trouble staying in it. And we're like we're working with him and his friend who we had brought the guy that we had talked about earlier who we brought out and gave him a job. Yeah. Um, they'd been they'd acted together a lot. And they'd worked together a lot. And he was like, "Can I just go stand with Devin for a minute?" And basically, they go and talk and they just like hug it out. And then Dan starts crying, the actor, and then our friend Devin starts crying and then we go over to talk to them and he's talking about how like much this means to him and how emotional this is and what their relationship is. So we start crying and then Lauren comes over and she's like, Hey guys, this is nice and all, but we need to work now. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was definitely a night again. We had, we had quite a few of those. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's that wonderful learning experience. You know, you you can you can never take that away and you can never forget it it's yours forever no one can ever take that away from you even though it becomes the audience's film after you release it i do believe that it's kind of yours but it's not anymore it's theirs now to love it or you know fantasize about it or, or go just you know be fans about it but during that time it's yours and it's a wonderful thing um yeah. you you got distributed through touchstone um distribution for bastard how did that come about how did you go from you know shooting this for you know a crazy amount of time and all those hours and editing it on a mattress outside your bedroom and etc how, how did you then go cool we've got a movie here how do we you know your first movie how well, did you manage tor- to get torch it torch slash archstone came about uh, i think a full year after our u.s distribution which uh ah, okay i mean the uh, same way we got threshold man uh Oh, you know, we, we, we looked at some like sales agencies and we're like, oh man, they're all taking a cut and I don't know if they're good. And I, I just told Powell, like, can you just give me like a couple months? What I'm going to, I'm going to just try to blind email some people. Mm. I'm just going to email these companies with the trailer yeah. that we yeah. edited that's yeah. super violent and cool looking and see what happens. And yeah. I, I was working in a, a restaurant. Uh, and I was in the back, uh, either making cookies or washing dishes. Uh, and I get One an email <laughs> from the company, uh, a U.S. company called After Dark. Yes. Uh, who used to do this series uh, that was super popular when Powell and I were in high school called Eight Films to Die For. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, they take films from around mm-hmm. the world and put them out. And I, I just like in my head, my association with it is. Uh, just a wall of eight films to die for and ghost house presents like at blockbuster Mm -hmm. or video stores. Um, And, you know, they had made produced a movie pal and I really love, and I had uh, initially bonded over in college called wrist cutters, a love story. Um, Okay. (laughs) And and so, and they, they emailed us like, Hey, 
love the trailer, love the movie. We're bringing the series back. We would love to give your movie a theatrical run and, <laughs> and wow. you know, put it out to the world. <laughs> like, we shit our pants. Like, how do you turn that? Like, we're 21-year-olds yeah. who just made, like, a... A very you know, silly, uh, weird movie. Like, a truly... Yeah. That shit crazy, but uh, yeah, with your own money. And suddenly and someone's going, we'd like to do a theatrical. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And, like, we were clearly the right. cheapest movie out of the eight. Um, I don't want to say clearly, because... You know, selfishly, yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah. our movie looks sure. pretty good. Just yeah. blind emails, and then uh, and then after that, uh, you know, we got some interest from some other outside agencies. And honestly, for everything else, we just okay. wanted to be done with the movie. Yeah. So we just found the company that would mm -hmm. handle the rest of the world, handed it to them, and I think right. I've talked to them like twice since. Yeah, but I mean, we we didn't follow the same path at all uh, initially. Because we Threshold only succeeded because of its festival run. We knew Threshold was a festival movie. We knew that it would do well because of that. Bastard, we did not understand the tact of approaching the right festivals for the right yeah. movie at that time. We were like, you know, you come yes, out of film school and you've Sundance. heard of five. You know, you've yeah, heard yeah. of like Sundance, Cannes, Tribeca. Toronto, and yeah, like exactly. these so we're sitting here with this movie, <laughs> this horror movie, where someone gets smacked in the face with a purple dildo. And like... Dude, you know, no. Sundance doesn't want that shit. We thought it would be funny. But, but we did. We sent it to Sundance. And yeah. we sent an unfinished, oh. temp music cut version of Bastard to Sundance. And Can. And we and were like, can. okay, wouldn't it be hilarious if Can screened Bastard? Yeah, it would have been. And it would have been. <laughs> it would have been genuinely hilarious. But, like, it didn't work out. We didn't, we didn't even think to be like, oh, yeah, there's a whole world of horror yeah. festivals that would eat this shit up. Because we were so young and so eager and thought we could, like, just, I don't know submit mm -hmm. to can and things would be yeah. fine and we learned our lesson real hard yeah sure because it costs money to put yourself yeah. into these festivals and you've got to think strategically yeah. especially when you spent all your money also i mean especially with the movie uh, uh at, at this budget it needs the festival run to build uh a, a community a, a fan base and just yeah. people to getting it out there i mean especially now it's so much useful with the proliferation of different podcasts like this you know reaching out to different areas uh, i i would definitely call both bastard and threshold uh niche films they're they're movies for a very specific type of viewer um and it's very hard to reach that viewer if you're not putting it you know directly yeah. in front of their faces yeah yeah and i think that and i think that's a testament to you guys for sort of going fuck it let's just email let's just put it out there and you know you made a great film so therefore you know it's not shite it's not, oh God, you know, you, people are coming back to you going, well, actually, we could probably sell this and make some money. Did you, obviously, and at the time, you might not have known how to do the deals in terms of understanding distribution and sales contracts and stuff like that. Uh, Bastard, we had a lawyer. Great, okay. Yeah, yeah, we hired a lawyer because we yeah. knew we didn't, yeah. we didn't Yeah, it's know. best to so say we, that, yeah. isn't it? We don't know. So someone yeah. helped Since us then, this. you know, yeah. I've, I've yeah. worked at enough production companies and Lauren's uh, done enough producer work. I mean, she's... Lauren's worked on, you know, multi-million dollar movies and mm -hmm. everything. Uh, you know, we, we felt a little bit more confident with, with Threshold this time around uh, that we could kind of handle it on our own, especially because, I mean, it's even cheaper than Bastard. So wow. we were like, we have even less expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So. Threshold, while it did make its way to festivals, we still did end up just blind emailing like 30 companies again. Like we did, we did the oh, exact yeah. same Arrow thing. was a blind email. Uh, but we had more backup this time right. because we had all the festival run official mm -hmm. selections and the awards we'd gotten. So 
you know, tw- uh, there's a good, a, well, not just good, an excellent, like Patrick said, fan base that we've gotten, especially from Salem Horror Fest and Soho. Um, mm-hmm. K yep. at Salem, yep. we credit them just like, you know, so much of what's, you know, <laughs> so much of this movie's success. And isn't it great when you do get those champions behind you and they, they'll be there forever. You know, they'll ask you to come back, even if they've not seen your next film, they'll say, oh yeah, bring it to our festival. Yeah. That's amazing. It's an amazing place to be, because then you get the fans of that and the reviews who went there going, oh, it's the guys who made Thresholds, the guys who made Bastard. And that's only good for you and your careers moving forward, and they're the fans forever, and you keep them. Sometimes guys who made Bastard isn't a yeah. compliment, but it's okay. <laughs> those bastard guys <laughs> great tile by the way bastard is such a great tile so cool oh sorry guys i'm getting a, a phone call it's robbie it must be something important hey robbie hey giles all right yeah I, i'm doing this quiz okay and i've got this crucial question oh i can only come to you for it well, i'm kind of in the middle of a, a podcast episode here uh, Robbie, you know, it won't take a minute. Come on, it's, it's Are you sure because yeah. they're waiting uncomfortably now. Well, I, I guess I can't go to anyone else to this. I can't go to. Oh, it's the very, must be filmic yeah. based then. Okay, cool. All right, very good at the filmic stuff. All right, well, here we go. It, here we go. It kind of is. Yeah, I mean, it, basically, who created Bitcoin? I'm glad you asked, Robbie. You see, according to Bitcoin white paper, it is claimed to have been created by a mysterious person or a group of people referred to as Satoshi Nakamoto. The name, however, is a pseudonym to keep the actual person behind it off the grid. Oh, okay. Well, actually, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I just see you in a whole new light now, Giles. That's just mind-blowing. Thanks, mate. Um, if you do want Bitcoin though, Robbie, sign up with Coin Corner now and use the voucher code FilmBTC to get your Bitcoin journey started with some free sats. And the link for that's in the show notes, right? The link is in the show notes. And um, by the way, I want um, half the prize money from your quiz. Gotta go. Oh, wow. Uh, sorry about that. But while I've got you, there's some shout outs to do. Why not now? Now's a perfect time to do some shout outs, isn't it? All right, then, let's do them. Uh, Shout-outs to the people who've been fabulous, who've helped me as a filmmaker, but also helped the podcast this week and in weeks past uh, by just going on our Twitter and giving us some love. If you want a shout-out, do the same. Um, Sarah Arnaud, Philip Connolly, Laura Gregory, Christopher Taylor, Tolly Shields. Uh, Thank you. Huge shout-out to you uh, for the Mank episode. She knows what that means. Andrew Knight and Olivia Nash, a young Austin, Texas female filmmaker who emailed me, well, the podcast really, to ask for a shout out about her latest film that they have as a Kickstarter. They are crowdfunding right now and they want your help. So filmmakers around the world listening to this, jump on our uh, show notes. There will be a link because she's making a young adult drama called Hit the movie. Uh, The logline is, on the banks of a coastal village, a pair of young adult writers, two teen lovers, and mentally ill parents intertwine in three tales of love and forgiveness during separate stages of life. Manchester by the Sea meets the perks of being a wallflower. Uh, Do go support if you can. It's so important to support indie filmmakers. So if you've got some spare cash, do go support. Thank you, Olivia, for writing in. If you want your name read out on the Filmmakers Podcast, if you've got a crowdfunder or a film you want to promote, then email us at filmmakers... Oh, wait. At thefilmmakerspodcast at gmail.com 
And we'll give you some love too. It's easy. Share the filmmaking love, everyone. Let's do it. And while I've got you, why not join us on our Patreon page? If you like this podcast, for one, go tell your pals. But if you really like this, come and be part of the team. Uh, the links to our Patreon are in the show notes. I won't blather on about them now, but there's some really cool little perks. Right. Sorry about that, gents. Anyway, where were you? Let's um, let's get into Threshold then. Because, like I say, it's a, it is an amazing achievement. Thank you. Uh, just the three of you shooting an iPhone looks fantastic, and and quite a lot improvised by what I read about it, which is great. Um, do you want to just describe what it's about? Whoever's good at this, Patrick, you you do the synopsis thing. Uh, yeah. So the movie's about a, an estranged brother and sister. Uh, the brother is tasked uh, to bring his sister uh, some help because she's uh, having some trouble with drugs. Uh, but she says she's gotten clean, claims that, in fact, uh, she has now been cursed and bonded to a stranger to feel whatever they feel, and that the only way to break the bond is to go find him. He says he will help on the condition that if that person does not end up existing, she will go right to rehab. It's so cool. Uh, it, this is out May the 3rd, by the way, on Arrow. Um, do go seek it out. It's really cool. It really is. It's great. Well done. It's it's a great achievement. I'm so glad that you just you know, like I say, had your tea and donuts and went, let's let's go make this. What was your feeling then when you said, yeah, let's go do it? Was it always the idea to shoot on iPhones? Was the <laughs> idea always just kind of shoot improvisational? You know, obviously there is a script. So uh, talk us through that. Talk us through your process of how you went. Yeah, let's go do it. And how did well, you we've been about it? talking about doing something like this for a while you know even when we were developing our other projects you know we had this you know idea to like oh you know what if we just you know took like ten thousand dollars and did something wacky that no one else could do with ten thousand dollars like shoot a space movie uh Mm. but it's all in one room and you know we always knew we wanted to do something cheap that could uh push ourselves but it never came to fruition um and then like i said uh you know that money came in and i asked pal if he wanted to do something and uh, we both instantly knew we wanted to do something on the road. Uh, we, didn't, mm-hmm. we wanted to, you know, the point of this was to go make something with friends. We wanted to get away. And honestly, you, you can't shoot this kind of movie in L.A. You can't shoot discreetly outdoors. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't shoot cheaply. Um, it's not quiet anywhere. It's not honestly exactly pretty in more than two locations. Um <laughs> Uh, and so I had uh, a short story that I had idea that I had in high school, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years before uh, for this drug called physical marriage. Uh, that was like a, it was supposed to be a black market drug that people used. And, you know, this couple, one of them accidentally uh, used it with somebody else and it was a bad dose and she got connected to this person and they had to go find him. Um, nice. And I never ended up writing it, but I, I always had it as a log line, always in my my pocket of ideas. And I brought it to Pal. And, uh, he loved it. And we were able to make it really personal. Um, and then when we really started talking about how we would make it, I got another text from Pal. Yeah. So we mm. <laughs> basically he had said like, "Look, we got a twenty page outline. There's no dialogue. We're gonna shoot it like raw and improv the whole thing." So. Uh, we knew yeah. two cameras off the bat was just going to be necessary for that. So sure. that yeah. meant with only three of us, Patrick would be operating one of the cameras and I'd be operating the other. Um, 
Patrick has many strengths. Patrick does not work as a DP. <laughs> and so, like, um, it, it was just... It, Thank you for being gentle. Yes. Uh, and, and not that it's, like, it's, like, honestly, framing and composition is all really, really good. It's just the technical, mm-hmm. it, like, he just hasn't pulled focus. You know, like, to be fair, yeah. I don't usually pull my own focus either because I have an AC who does that. So we knew, honestly, both of us needed a little bit simple so that we could be focusing on just actually shooting it and what's happening in front of the lens Literally. and not worried about like, ah, oh, shit, yeah. like the performance was good, but I missed my focus. And like, you know, so it had uh-huh. to be something easy to work with. And so I thought maybe we could find some sort of DSLR that had autofocus that we could just worry about, you know, the composition of the characters. And then mm-hmm. I watched Unsane. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's like, oh, mm-hmm. that looks yeah. pretty good. That's graded pretty well. Can you grade iPhone footage? Huh, cool. And then I mm-hmm. texted Patrick, yeah, this, uh, I'm probably going to regret this a lot, but like, what if we shot this on iPhones? And so uh, he laughed at me because he joked about it like a month before that. And I'd been like, ah, iPhones, nah, uh, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even the joke, I, you know, written into you said you saw green light at the end uh where the the producer uh, during the finale of the movie he was like if it wasn't for me you'd still be shooting on fucking iphones <laughs> yeah and then like uh, a year yeah, after that it. we went out yeah. and shot a movie on iphones <laughs> we, yeah. but yeah so that's kind of that's kind of where it came about and then we realized look if we do that we can really steal all these locations we can get away with whatever we need mm-hmm. to like if lauren needs to hold a camera too she also can hold a camera mm-hmm. sometimes one of our actors might help us out if they're not on screen like we need- people people yeah. are so used to seeing people outside just on their phone, phone using yeah. the camera we could be taking a selfie An instagram video no one cared literally no yeah. one mm-hmm. only one location kind of bugged us about it and we still managed to get away with it the karaoke bar uh, yeah, they called yeah. us out, but they still just let us keep filming, and, and it was fine. There you go, and by being nice and going, look, we're just doing this. It's a bit of fun. They're usually all right. Well, we did tell them, and... well, they said we could do it as long as we left yeah. quickly. Oh, fine. <laughs> we <laughs> fine. improvised really quickly. We Shoot, told them go. it was also like a video for our mom. We were like, oh, our mom wants us to film us uh, singing the song together because well, they're uh, yeah, because they, we had to send them up there to sing the song multiple times to get enough coverage. <laughs> Which you don't do that at karaoke bars. No one does that at karaoke bars. No, Same no, song like, Oh, we missed the first performance and our mom, re- their mom really wants to see them. We're just, let us do this one more time and we'll leave. Yeah, she doesn't know yeah. how to work Skype. Yeah, so, so we're going to have to go again. Do you mind? Oh, that's great. That's so much fun. Yeah, so, so you're now going, okay, look, we're shooting on iPhones. Fuck it. We can do this. What app did you use? What, how did you make it work Filmic for you? Pro. On the that was the, yeah, Filmic was, Pro. That's it the was, one. It was great. Yeah. Um, it was really easy to operate once you all the settings dialed in, kind of just yeah. press record and go. Yeah. What about sound? What about <laughs> sound wise then? Patrick. <laughs> Patrick was our dedicated sound guy. Uh, well, also, also, <laughs> I want to mention our, uh, our moment lenses were great. Uh, is, is yeah. what we also shot on. We had, uh, five lenses. Yeah. We had two mm-hmm. matching sets. Basically right. we had each of our phones had a telephoto, a wide angle and a macro. So we had six. Right. Just the little ones that slot over the top. Exactly. Because a lot of this movie was so smooth, and I never thought for a... If I hadn't known you were shooting on an iPhone, I would never have thought this is shot on an iPhone. Because everything was smooth. Everything was delightful, and, you know, the composition was really strong. Hal's very good at his job. 
Thanks. Yes, he's very good at his job. That's Thank true. You, did you have like a movie with it, or did oh you yeah, a little we had a little DJ, DJI DJ, DJI glide. We right, used it twice. We realized very quickly because we had the iPhone eight plus, it was a little big for the DJI and with the moment yeah. lens on it, it was too heavy, mm-hmm. and so the stabilization didn't really work. Right, and right. I actually ended up having to post stabilize both of the scenes we shot it on because it was so jittery. Um, you never know. Yeah. You never know now, but like, yeah, yeah. we just kind of we had like little wooden bars that we kept them on to keep them sort of yeah. stable. You know, we moment, weren't just moment makes yeah, accessible handheld accessories. Yeah yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Oh, good. So at least you could put what and rest it on your shoulder, or was it just just the little bars so you could? No, it's just holding up bars, and you could we could screw uh, our zoom recorder. And when we had so for sound, uh, we had a zoom recorder. Yep. Uh, with two only two ports and yeah, two, two channels, channels in it, <laughs> yeah, um, which means we yeah, had to choose those. constantly whether to use our two lobs, right, or love one of the actors and boom. Yes. Uh, so so most of the time it was uh, you know if we're in the car they were uh, both loved up, they're both loved, and then the yep. zoom sat between them to get the the using because the zoom you know mic on the zoom. Right. Yes. Um, but most of the time it was you know. Powell either running back and forth between the cameras as Lauren or I boomed, or me holding one camera with the boom mic under my armpit. And I'm like reaching over, like changing his settings, and then like reading back to my camera. And like, yeah, it was just, but what, and it, how fun though. How, and as much as you sort of going, oh, it would have been great to have someone doing this, and it would be great to shoot on red or whatever. At the same time, you must have felt, you feel alive, right? Shooting it oh, that way. Because... Yeah, I mean, it was very throwback to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, high school buddies when we didn't know shit, just. Mm-hmm. everybody did everything because no one knew better than the other person uh you know here it was just whoever had an open hand uh, i mean you've we have a a really nice long making of uh for the movie and, and you know there's footage in it of, of lauren just with with the boom mic and you know brilliant where is that can people see that as well as the movie that'll be on arrow and uh other places later in the year perfect so it'll also be on the blu-ray yeah great Great, so you got Blu-ray as well. That's wonderful. Really good. Um, how did you plan it then? Because obviously doing a road movie is not easy, you know. You've suddenly got to find all the locations. You've got to, you know, like <laughs> say you, certain character bars you haven't uh, even asked uh, yet, etc. The, the outline, are, we had, so we had a 23-page outline with mm-hmm. no third act, uh, by the way. <laughs> really? We knew yeah. we were shooting chronologically and with improvisation it was going to change. Uh, the outline was broken down mm. into days, you know, so we had sort of okay. goalposts of you know, what we wanted to shoot each day. And so then we took that and applied it to, you know, a map and made a general point, like, okay, we're going to go here, 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 uh, even if we didn't have places booked to stay yet. Uh, I mean, once we got on the road, that changed. You know, we got here and, like, oh, there's more locations than we thought we could use and stayed there, you know, an extra day or two and then kept going. And, you know, we kept things flexible, mm-hmm. but still had uh, guidelines. Okay. So you so you knew some of your locations, but you kind of didn't know what's happening at the end. So therefore, you couldn't. You hadn't found that what looked like brilliant location for your ending. You know, yeah, like um, like we knew, you know, uh, like the Airbnb scene with the clown. Uh, two mm-hmm. days before that, we we didn't know we were going to be shooting in that city. Uh, we didn't know we were going to be shooting in that house. We just knew, oh, we need a nice house somewhere within a hundred miles of Salt Lake City. Right. Basically. Yeah. We pretty much pl- we, we planned where we'd have to put a base camp and sleep, but not exactly the the intermediate locations along the way. So 
fine. The, the other trick, the other trick was we needed it to, if you plot their, like their journey, it had to make sense time-wise because like they're on the road for four days or five days. So we couldn't just have it be like, Oh, they're going from Texas to California. And it's like a five day drive. So mm-hmm. we had the, in movie geographical map of where they were driving through. And then we had our actual map of where we had to drive to make it look like they were doing that. So we, we tried to pay attention to making sure, as I mean, it's a road trip movie. You need to feel like you're progressing. And so we yes. needed to make sure the changing landscape. So tracking from a uh, small town to desert, to snow, to smaller town, to, mm-hmm. you know, mountains, s- and then- Vegas specifically to mountains, making sure every, because, uh, I mean, there's a very anthological feel to this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, we travel, we talk. We travel, we talk. You know, mm-hmm. so you have different segments, and we needed each of those to feel very different. Yeah, and you did. And it's, it, like I said, that works really well. And I love that you put that together like that. Um, was it, Basically, was it just the, th- the five of you in the car for a lot of the two time? Cars. We had two cars. Oh, you had two cars. Thank God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. I was going to say, when you're saying we don't want to film anymore, we're going to have a little break. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd just be all crammed in the car going, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a break. There was still plenty of that. Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. I mean, the actors talk about, I mean, the hardest part uh, most of the time for them was just not having spacer breaks. Uh, you know, most of our downtime was spent traveling. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's hard to sleep in a car. And, you know, they always still had to kind of be awake because when we were traveling, there was always the potential to start filming. Uh, Because if we saw something cool, we were going to go shoot. Well, of course you are. Look at it. You know, the sky looks great at that particular point. Or there's a great backdrop. Or there's a great, right, get back in character. Just talk about that, whatever it is that you need. Uh, And and your two leads, Joey Millen and Madison West as well. Just brilliant. Really held the film together. Um, Did you cast them or did you know them how did that work just found them on the side of the road yeah no they oh, were brilliant. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, no, uh, Matt, uh, madison actually lived on the same floor as us that freshman year uh oh, we've known wow. her for a very long time uh actually okay. i mean she was one of the pieces where you know like oh you know if madison did this with us uh, i think we could really pull this off and then we spent uh a couple weeks casting uh sort of around her and then um, Joey finding the finding doing yeah. uh, chemistry tests with her and other actors, and uh, she'd worked before with Joey. I'd known Joey in college as well. Uh, all five of us went to the same college. Oh my gosh! Um, well, how? Yeah, we hadn't. She had worked with Joey before, uh, even if we hadn't, and so she had a certain uh, trust level with him and his improv skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, a, a movie like this, trust was massive i mean we're all sleeping in the same bedroom most of the time sharing beds or floors with joey um mm-hmm. yeah because you have to keep costs down don't you so like say you'll yeah. get two hotel rooms yeah. rather than you know five you know so the three boys will be in one the two girls in another i suppose and it, i suppose that's how it no would... we were just all in one together no we're all in the same room. Mo- oh right literally except for nights like at the airbnb where we all got our own room because it's a nicer bigger place uh, what a luxury! I mean, <laughs> yeah, like the, there's the the scene where, and uh, any hotel you uh, hotel scene you yeah. see, yeah, that's that was the room we were all sleeping in. Oh wow! Yeah, this is even better. How many <laughs> yeah. days was this? How many? Did Twelve. Twelve. Twelve days. This is what an adventure. Okay, yeah. right. So therefore, you need to make sure the people who are on that adventure with you know what they're getting into, and they know this is going to be tough, guys, but. Come on, we're all in it together. 
Um, I imagine you. That's like I say. Obviously, you know Lauren very well from you from not only school but from your first film as well. But yeah, in terms yeah. of just making sure you're all working in harmony. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd all crashed in that house for for bastard together anyway. So Patrick, Lauren, and I were used to that at that point. <laughs> that was nothing new. Yeah, no. yeah, that's that's amazing. It's great. And in terms of obviously, did you edit? I, I, I dare say this on the road as well, but I mean, you must no, have been looking at the footage. No, no. no. we okay. actually weren't uh, really too much. We would check it to make sure it recorded well. Yes, like of course. Yeah, because we did have some issues with the phones uh, crapping out on us because of weather. Uh, you know, the mountaintop oh. scene. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it said it was eleven, but it was also eleven degrees outside. But it was also uh, Fahrenheit. I'm sorry, I not bad with. But it was also a, a wind chill, and it was sunset, so it was getting colder literally every minute. None of us mm-hmm. could feel our extremities, uh, and the phone started to freeze. Uh, oh. the, the footage would get glitchy, and we had to, you know, every two to three takes, we had to run to the car, turn the heat on, and warm them up. Uh, oh. And then we'd go down when we were in uh, their big blow-up scene where she yells at him and is screaming and cursing him out and drives off. Yeah, um, That was down near the border of the States, uh, and it was you know, a hundred degrees and the phones were overheating. Mm-hmm. So we could get a couple of takes in and to run inside the car and turn on the air conditioning. Uh, you know, so there was, there were times like that where we were checking to make sure that the footage literally recorded and that mm-hmm. we didn't run out of space or something like that. Yes. Cause that can um, happen too. space on your iPhone is very oh, limited yeah. and it's like, no, no, you can't record anything else unless you download all your footage. We were burnt by the end of every day. So like the last thing we wanted to do was watch it again. So we would just plug the phones in, dump the footage and keep going. <laughs> and, and it was, yeah. it was like that yeah. when we were, when we were done, you know, uh, the same person edited Bastard and Threshold, William yeah, Ford Conway, William, amazing yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, we needed a break so bad, so we dumped the footage on him and gave him <laughs> the outline, which did not encompass the entire movie, and things had changed around and things we didn't oh, include. So he would and, be like, and did you slate it? So at least he knew... The our slate broke day two. <laughs> so he was like, what do you want me to do with this, kids? I'm going on date order, but you're obviously shooting out of order. So. Luckily, he was a friend of ours from college as well. Same floor again. And so yes. uh, yeah. bless that third floor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he he's put up with us already. So he knew what he was getting into. But, uh, Fine. So he was like, look, just bear with me. I'm going to wade through all your crap. Yep. <laughs> How soon was it before you went in and saw a sort of some sort of semblance of an edit with William? At least half a year. Yeah. Serious. He was working around his his actual job. He works as an an, an assistant editor on Legacies, the, the TV. So editor now. And now he's moved up to editor. At the time he was an assistant editor, but now he's an editor right. on it. So and, yeah, um, proper experience. Sorry, I was talking yeah. in the past tense. But yeah, he was uh <laughs> so he was working around that that day job. And so he could just fit in our movie when he could. And of course when you're doing an improv Weekends. movie like yeah. twelve minute long takes individual takes per scene like it just takes a long time to wade through it so it really but does. that first cut yeah. was great it was amazing yeah yeah we we were you we, we knew uh much different than the first bastard cut that we we had something mm. that we really liked already because mm. it's hard watching the first cut or an assembly cut because it can be really heartbreaking if you've just come off set like a week or two weeks but the fact you waited six months by then you were like i have no idea what it looks like i can't really remember you might have skipped through your phone or some of the footage maybe but if you hadn't you're looking at this fresh and going oh my god it's 
it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah during those nice six place. months, all I had were these 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 six stills that Pal had done a, a temp color on, and that was like all I had of the movie. They're they're amazing, and I loved them, and I showed them off everywhere. But yeah, of what the movie actually looked like, I had no idea. Yeah. We knew we had something though, because I just remember the end of watching the first edit of Bastard, and we're all sitting on the couch, and Lauren looks at us and goes, "Cool," and that was all she said. <laughs> and we were like. Uh, shit fuck (laughs) we really messed this up and this time it ended and it didn't even have an ending basically the 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 original first edit didn't have the last scene oh did it not because because will had no idea what was happening in it because because it wasn't in it wasn't wasn't in the credits it was completely shot out of order it was wild and And he, he sent this big long email like i'm so sorry guys i don't i I, I failed you. I didn't know what to do here. We're like, oh, dude, we just didn't talk to you. That's on like, that's on us. Yeah. But talk. even without the ending, we finished it and we were like, oh, this is a good movie. Like, this yeah. is actually a pretty good movie. And and you know, yeah. what that never happens with the first cut. That's like no, almost never. A, your heart's broken every time. Like you, every you sit time. there and you're like, wow, I'm terrible at this and I should quit. Um, Isn't it we, weird that happens? It does. We yeah. literally watch and go, this is awful. It doesn't yeah. even cut well. But yeah, it's so nice when you sort of go, oh, yeah. look at that. Yeah, look at that. Someone did something good. Who shot this? <laughs> Who made this? Yeah, that's great. Oh, great. So so then you, you dived in and made it what you made it and, and worked on it extensively, I imagine. How long after that six months, seeing that first cut, did you have a finished film? Because, again, you're working around your other jobs now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, an- a another six I mean, months, right? That... Another six months. Okay. Uh, to, to have a, wait, a finished a, cut? Or a, a, I mean, a final cut. film? A locked, a locked edit. A oh. Locked Edit was another six months after that first six months, I believe. Right. And then we and spent then, all of last year on post. Right. Yeah. We, we shot Fine. this October 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah. On some wow. iPhone 8 Pluses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've still got my iPhone 8 Plus here. I need to upgrade so This now. is the movie I shot the... Or phone there I shot the movie on right here. Yeah, look it. at that poster. There it is right there. Ah, <laughs> poster. Uh, and it's a cool poster. It's eye-catching We're some huge well. nerds because we both have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got his as well on there. It's amazing. That's <laughs> uh, so cool. So, so, okay, so like I said, you worked on this, I suppose, in the pandemic. You were like, well, is this the time to just finish this movie off? Was that something that made you go, well, we might as well finish it? Uh, I mean, we were we were driving pretty hard towards it. We were, were in the middle anyway. of okay. doing Foley, and about a week out from scheduling ADR, uh, when the pandemic hit, like when lockdowns <clears> hit <throat> in March of last year. Um, yeah. So I, I I'd say, and then eventually we we found a way around it, uh, found some way safe for everybody to get this done. But I, mm-hmm. I'd say it delayed us a good three to four months. Okay. What it did help with, yeah. though, was uh, our composer, Nick Chuba, who is phenomenal. Um, he's got a very hefty, typical workload, and who he works for, he, he doesn't often get the time off to do something this small and, like, passion project mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it really worked out for us that he was able to take the time for it. Same with Charles Moody, our sound designer. Mm-hmm. You know, it just gave everyone the time off their normal life to, to focus on it, which was kind of interestingly, uh, it was a silver lining in the middle of yes the yeah in a small silver lining yeah, yeah absolutely so now you've finished your, your movie or at least you've got a finished version how did you get arrow involved because arrow are great you know they're, they're really they're flying awesome. we got a serial killer's guide to life through them as well you know and so we really like them um really great team how did you manage to get you know threshold 
Uh, well, we, I mean, we started with the the festivals the 20, and twenty cold we were, emails. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we started. We knew we started. We wanted to start with festivals this yeah. time, so that we had some laurels to send along with those mm-hmm. blind emails. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, so we got into Salem, and uh, mm-hmm. we won a couple of phone festivals. Got into so or Soho brought us on board. Um, and so I started sending out my emails and we started talking to companies, um, and arrow wasn't even on my, on my radar. Like I honestly, uh, wasn't aware that they had started doing, uh, new pickups mm, cause they were originally, um, yeah, old movies that they'd take and then they started to do. Right. Right. Movies. And I, I think, cause I think I contacted them. Either them or Scream Factory for Bastard in, uh, like it was, six, it was know, Scream Factory. Six years ago. Yeah. 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 But in companies like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just weren't doing uh, this kind of stuff that they're doing now. Um, and then we were talking to a potential sales agency and we, uh, uh, that we didn't end up working with. Uh, and they mentioned, you know, Arrow as a potential. Like w- when I asked them, oh, who do you see this movie for? Mm. And like, oh, you know, we would go to Shudder. We would go to... Uh, yeah. You know, a couple of these other companies uh, that are very genre specific. Uh, you know, we just worked with Arrow. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Arrow, that's interesting. And I looked up what they were doing and uh, saw their their release for the the Bloodhound, mm-hmm. uh, yep. which was, was you know, it, ju- it was just so a- a- attentive. I don't know. It, there was just so much uh, love and care put into that specific release. And I was like, oh. That would yes. be nice. That's what I want. Yeah. After yeah. after our, our 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 last release, you know, like that's that's what I want. I just want this movie in the hands of people who actually like it. Yeah. Uh, and so I I sent them an email, um, uh, and then I sent them another email, <laughs> and they got back to us uh, and said that you know some of the team had actually seen it at a couple of the festivals, and mm-hmm. uh, I think at one point they told Pal like, yeah, no, we saw this and we knew this was an Arrow movie. Yeah. And you know, man, you know what that meant to us. Yeah, it was after great. after what we That's went great. through, it was oh, insane. That's so ev- everyone over there is fantastic. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they've been great with the Serial Killers Guide to Life. Really, really cool. And we had um, uh, Jill Gavagazian on recently, and obviously she had um, her film The Silist, which has done really well. Yeah, it got a very so, cool release as well, man. The, yeah, yeah, the work they put into it's awesome. A lot of love. The poster is amazing. You know, and things like that do make a big difference. And yeah, it's done really, really well. And I expect the same for this as well. So it, it's super exciting, and it's literally out well now because uh yeah. we recorded this totally <laughs> live and yeah it's live but yeah this happened uh right now um so yeah look that's that's so cool so cool what have you learned along the way that you could like inspire other filmmakers with from just going out there and doing something like this hire a sound guy Hi- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and the second 50 percent of this movie is adr <laughs> yeah right Okay. Yeah. Sound person. Yeah. Sorry. A sound person. I totally agree. Yeah. It's really, it is actually sound is massively important. It really is. Yeah. Anything Um, else? Know your limits. Uh, Mm. You know, we, we gave, we loaded a lot against ourselves. A lot of travel, no money, no space, no scripts, no crew, two iPhones. Mm -hmm. Um, And we barely pulled it off. Uh, And that's after all five of us having worked constantly and professionally mm-hmm. on movies bigger or smaller o- over the past five years and we barely pulled it off 
So, you know, if, if you're, you're just starting off and, you know, trying to do something like this, do it, but know what you can do and with who you can do it. Uh, you know, maybe don't do it. On, you know, there is a reason most of these movies are done in a single location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so make sure that you've got, you know, a really great story that you can fall back on and load up your friends, your talented friends <laughs> who you can trust. <laughs> yeah. And, trust uh, your actors. You know, yeah. Yeah. Always trust your actors. Just, just don't, don't, don't push yourself too far, you know. But just Beautiful. far enough. Just far <laughs> yeah. enough. Know your limits to the edge. so you can just barely exceed the threshold, if you yeah. will. Hey. No sleep. Hey, yeah. Lose yeah. sleep, it. not sanity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's nice. And it's true. You have to push yourself, but know where your limit is, isn't it? And just don't go over this so you go crazy. Just do it so you, yeah, your brains are firing in the right way. The synapses are all, you know, creativity's yeah. going. Especially because, I mean, you mm. want to keep everyone, uh, I mean, these are your friends and you're trusting them. You want to keep them safe. Yeah. Yes, you, know? you really do. Yeah, safety is really important as well. So is. Uh, this has been so much fun. You boys are brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so excited for everyone to see Threshold. I think you've done incredible. I think it's something people can be inspired to look up to, and certainly in years to so. come. Yeah, I Thank don't you. see why not. It's brilliant. It's really, really cool. I mean, it's like fabulous, actually. Um, so well <laughs> done. Um, where can people find you on the socials? What's your handle? Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter at just young enough. Um, and then our film nice. uh, has an Instagram yeah, at so, threshold underscore film. And mm-hmm. similar to mine, which is uh, I'm on Instagram, mostly uh, at Powell underscore Robinson. If I'm on Twitter, I'm just reposting whatever Patrick says. Cause I, I don't use Twitter that much and he does. <laughs> so fine. Yeah. But retweeting is always good. It's I'm, I'm a Patrick Young Stan account. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh so there you go everyone you can go make your indie film you can do it on just uh your iphone if you like and with just the story idea you have uh but make sure as patrick says that you've really thought that story through even if you don't know your ending yet yeah um, <laughs> you'll find it along the way it's, yes exactly yeah. Yeah, we're creators, we're story makers. You will find it along the way. Uh, you can follow me at Giles Alderson, or you can follow the pod at Filmmakers Pod, both of those on Twitter, or on Instagram at the Filmmakers Podcast. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, as you know, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. But for now, do go out and watch Threshold. It is on Arrow Player. Do go support indie film as much as you can. And thank the boys on their Twitter handles, but not Howells on his Instagram and uh, say thank you very much for doing this and we love Threshold because why not thank you so much right I'm off for some TM Donuts <laughs> boys thank you so much for your time thank you thanks everyone go out there make your indie films make your feature film make your studio films make your short films whatever it is go and do it this week be inspired take care bye bye <laughs>